G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au This is a warning for parents that due to the adult themes being discussed in today's program, it's not recommended for young listeners. She brought her friend with her who was a Christian. I was stuck in a car with Christians going to work and I just wanted to get out. But anyway, the thing is, one of them said to me, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. She said, so you asked Jesus into your heart, did you? And I said yes to shut her up because I didn't want to go into the conversation. But straight away, I started to think, so that's what you've got to do. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scatterbo. As a young adult, our guest today had plans to go overseas and explore the world. That all changed when she unexpectedly found out she was pregnant. Then, sadly, her life took a dark turn after she married the father of her child and he became violent. Today, we'll find out how God works in her life to help her overcome various challenges. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And we're not mentioning your name today to protect your privacy and the privacy of your family. Thank you. But we can say that you grew up in rural Victoria, is that right? Yes, that's correct. I grew up on a farm. It was, um, you know, I had a good childhood, good parents, you taught good values, grew up with the church, you know, been taken to Sunday school. Did you enjoy that? As a child, I did. And I can remember having a connection with God. Sometimes like after Sunday school, I'd be walking through the paddocks, you know, making daisy chains and singing songs to God and feeling his presence. Hmm. So, you know, I had that sense of his presence at times, even as a child. Okay. So kind of off to a good start as far as an awareness of God? Yes. Yeah. But that kind of changed when you were 13 years old? Yeah, well, we moved to a different town and sold the farm, moved off to a different town. We went to a different church and I didn't feel any sort of connection there. I went along because I was told to go mm-hmm. and um, was involved in a little club there and all that sort of thing. But I saw no power and I started delving into the occult. I started getting a, a magazine called Fate Magazine, which is witchcraft magazine. Oh. Um, got myself some tarot cards and at 13 yeah yeah started getting into those sorts of things and mm-hmm. because i was curious and i saw power there i saw that you could read into the future and all that sort of thing but it took a, a dark turn yeah i started to get depressed even as a teenager and at school there were bouts of depression mm-hmm. and i could track back to the start of that that i started going downhill hmm and there was rebelliousness there and all sorts of things, an addiction to those movies, the, the scary movies. But ironically, through knowing that the devil was real, you began to believe in God. Is that right? 
Yes, eventually. It took a while, you know, because I was focused on all this occult stuff. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, the thoughts would come to my mind that, well, if the devil's real, then maybe God's real. Hmm. Even though you knew about God from a young age, but apparently that had all kind of gone away. Yes, I, I doubted. I doubted that he was real. I mm. doubted everything that I'd been taught in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um, I believed in that there was something there, mm. but I wasn't sure. I was searching for answers for a long time. Yeah, so now we're kind of going into your young adult years. You're entering yes. your 20s. You're searching for God at that point, is that right? Or truth in general? Um, well, yeah, on and off. Mm -hmm. For a while, you know, I was just busy living my life and didn't give it much thought. But I moved into this flat and I was convinced there was a ghost there. You know, footsteps in the nighttime would wake me up and I lived alone. Mm. And something touched me at nighttime. So I told the neighbours next door, they were Christians. Mm -hmm. I know now they would have prayed for me. And I'd been reading a book called Rosemary's Baby, which scared the life out of me. Mm. Which is about the occult and the devil. Yeah, anyway. A, a fictional novel. It's all fictional, but yet about yes. the dark side of life and the occult. Yeah, and I didn't even finish the book. It was mm. too scary. But um, I started trying to read the Bible. Why was that? I don't know. I was just drawn to it. I had a Bible in the house, and I tried to read it. I think I was a bit scared mm-hmm. of um, this ghost, even though it didn't seem to I don't even know if it was a ghost. I don't know what it was, but it was something in the place that made me feel uncomfortable. So mm. I tried to read the Bible and I couldn't understand it, except I could understand Proverbs. But I always go to the back of the book with everything. You're kind of uh, impatient, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I figure why waste my time? So you go right to the last page and in the last page of the Bible, you find out that the good guys won. Yeah, the good guys win in the end. And I Mm -hmm. thought I could see things were going downhill back then. I mean, this was in the 1970s, late 70s. And I thought, um, if this world ends, it'd be a good idea if I was on the good guy's side. Hmm. Well, that's just putting it just very plain and simple. But yeah, it would be good to be on the good guy's side. Yeah, so I was searching and I had that question. Mm -hmm. So what must you do? How do you get to be on the good guy's side? Because I knew that I couldn't just walk into a church and things change, not the way I'd been living. Mm -hmm. I thought, you must have to do something, but what is it, you know? So I had that question in the back of my mind and I wondered about it. I couldn't understand Revelations. I tried to understand it and I'd read about the Lamb's Book of Life. and and Oh, so that was all confusing to you. It was confusing. I thought, what has sheep got to do with it? It didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Sometimes as Christians, we forget how bizarre it sounds to somebody who doesn't know anything about the Bible and, and Christianity. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. Well, what does that mean You know, to a non-Christian? I know. I grew up on a farm. I've seen sheep slaughtered. <laughs> exactly. And- <laughs> so what, what is this, the blood of the Lamb? What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. If you said to me, blood of the Lamb, back then, immediately I remember seeing sheep being slaughtered. And the fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and the symbolism and what that all means, that was way beyond you at that point. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so so just picking up the Bible as a complete novice to the things of the Lord, pretty much at that point, wasn't doing yeah. anything for you, it sounds like. No. So then what happened? Well, a lot of things happened, but eventually I met my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. 
and started a relationship. But in the meantime, before I met him, I'd already planned this holiday. So I was going to be going trekking around the world and knew what I wanted to do when I came back and everything. I had it all figured out in my brain. And then I ended up pregnant Mm -hmm. and I had to cancel it all. And it was such a shock to me. You know, my whole life had suddenly changed. It, it was almost like I was on a roller coaster and I hit a brick wall. Mm. And um, it was a really big thing in my early 20s. I was 22. Yeah, you had to sell your guitar, I guess? Yeah, so sold a beautiful Fender acoustic guitar so I could buy a washing machine and that's quite a change there from a guitar to a washing machine, but you're thinking practically because you're going to be a mother. Yeah, that's right. I had to make some sacrifices and figure out how this was going to work because I had nothing. I didn't have a washing machine. I didn't have a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I had to suddenly you know, think of another person that mm-hmm. was coming into the world. Yeah, because you were thinking about, hey, I'm going to have some fun exploring the world. And now all of a sudden, yeah. you have to think about someone besides yourself. Yes, and... I was completely selfish, you know. I I had my own plans of what I wanted to do, Mm. you know, and if he was going to be around when I came back, well, that was going to be fine too. You're talking about the father. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just moving on, you know, except this um, this put a whole stop and a whole change to my life. Mm. And And then you eventually married the father? Yes, eventually. I put it off a lot, but, you know, there's a lot of pressure there to get married and eventually we got married. But three days before we married, I was born again. He married somebody totally different to what he thought he was marrying. Our guest today is sharing her life journey and how she ended up marrying a violent and abusive man. But as we'll hear, God was working in her life and led her to becoming a Christian. All that more is coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo. And once again, I just want to remind you that we're dealing with a very heavy topic today, domestic abuse and violence. And some of what you're going to hear can be very difficult to listen to. Before the break, we heard our guest share how events in her life led her to marrying a violent, abusive man. Now we're going to find out how she becomes a Christian just a few days before marrying the father of her child. A while before that, I was working at a particular place and, and um he said to me, oh, can you get this lady a job where you work? And, you know, it was some distance away. So I got her a job, but I didn't know she was a Christian at the time. Mm-hmm. And at this place where we'd work in, after work, we'd party and everything, but I couldn't do it while she was there for some reason. I just felt guilty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she never said anything, but the next year she brought her friend with her who was a Christian. I was stuck in a car with Christians going to work and they're talking about all their Christianese stuff. <laughs> and I just wanted to get out. I thought, oh, let me out of this car. 
you know, so I can hitchhike and get in a car with a normal person. But anyway, the thing is, one of them said to me, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, because I thought I was. I thought, well, I was raised in Sunday school. I must mm-hmm. have, must be a Christian. She said, so you asked Jesus into your heart, did you? And I said yes to shut her up because I didn't want to go into the conversation and huh. I didn't want to talk about it. But straight away I started to think, so that's what you've got to do. You've got to actually ask Jesus to come into your heart. So later on, when I went back home that weekend, I actually did it because I felt terribly guilty that, you know, these girls have got some sort of connection with God and, you know, maybe he's real and I've just lied to them. Hmm. <laughs> you were kind of guilted into accepting Jesus into your heart. Is that what happened? Yes. Yes, but nothing happened <laughs> because hmm. it was I had the wrong motives. Sometime later, I was feeling quite depressed, and and I did it again, but nothing happened. But the third time, I was totally sick of the way I was. I didn't like me. Mm. I didn't like the way I was turning out. I'd Mm. been involved with drugs, and all sorts of dark things were happening. And I did it again, but this time, I said a prayer. It went something like this. I said, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, I want to live your way. I want you to come into my heart and I want you to clean it up and I want to walk your way if there is such a way. But if there is a way, you're going to have to show me what it is because I've got no idea. I don't know. And that was sincere from the bottom of your heart? Bottom of my heart. And I had the most amazing experience where I felt the presence of God fall on me and fill me and I I wept and wept and kept apologizing for all these things, like visions of all the things I'd been doing wrong came Mm. to me, and I was saying sorry for this and sorry for that. Now God helped me to get this all straightened out, and I changed. Mm. And it was such a huge change. You know, I thought I'd kind of started working out my own head a bit and understanding myself a little bit, and then suddenly that was turned all upside down again. Because here I was, my whole brain was thinking different. It was like my whole being was changed. It was affected. And I felt like I needed to go and sit by the sea and work out my own head again. It was Mm. so different. Yeah. So it made a huge impact on your life. It was a huge difference. And I couldn't articulate to him what had happened to me. I tried to, but it, it just didn't seem to come out right. And three days later, we're married. And he married somebody totally different. Here I was, now a Christian, although Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was called being born again. I didn't know any of that terminology. Mm -hmm. But I knew that whatever these girls had, I now had too, Mm -hmm. whatever that was. Mm -hmm. You had given your life to the Lord and surrendered to him completely. Yes. And so your ex-husband thought that you were kind of the non-Christian girl that he had been dating, but suddenly he had married a baby Christian. Yeah. <laughs> so then what happened? We had this party after, you know, we just had all our friends over after we got married. And mm-hmm. I shared a bottle of Johnny Walker with a girlfriend and chatted with her a fair bit. And that ran out. So I drove down the pub and got another one. We just lived down the road from the pub. So even though you had become a Christian, obviously there was still some residue from your past life going on. Yeah. Well, isn't that a surprise? We don't change instantly. There's Mm. changes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So anyway, I went and got another bottle and we drank that. And do you know what? It didn't affect me. Hmm. And I thought, this is really weird. And I went and got a third bottle. And I thought, this is really weird. And I watched everyone deteriorate as they do after hmm. they've been drinking and partying. And here I was, stone cold sober, and it was like God put a mirror in front of my face and showed me what my behaviour was really like. Hmm. And it was a shock. Isn't that a part of the way you grow? God shows you some things and mm-hmm. on the way and you adjust your life to be more Christ-like, mm-hmm. just little bit by little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was a big change for me. And I remember not only a few weeks later, we had friends over and there's a joint being passed around and I just passed it on. I didn't want any. And there's someone there, he, was a, he used to be a Christian, and he looked at me and he said, oh, next thing you'll be a Christian. Huh. And I thought, I think I already am. And I didn't say anything, but I hadn't been to church. I didn't know. I hadn't learned anything. But anyway, I let that go. But I changed. I didn't want any of that stuff anymore. So God was kind of changing the desires of your heart little by little at this point, it sounds like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of instances like that where, you know, I was challenged and I didn't know anything. It was the Holy Spirit showing me little things that I had to change along the way. But anyway, eventually I thought, okay, I, I need to go to church. And I didn't tell these girls about my experience because I didn't want them to make me go to their church. Anyway, <laughs> You kind of like them, but not enough to actually hang out with them and go to their church. No, we weren't close friends, mm. you know. Mm. We worked together and saw each other here and then because it was a small country place. Mm. And um, anyway, one of them invited me to the kitchen tea. One of them was getting married. And I thought, oh, gosh, all right, I'll go. And I thought, this is going to be boring as all heck. There's no <laughs> alcohol, nothing, you know. Anyway, I went along and I had such a good time. <laughs> huh. I had a great time. <laughs> so you're changing little by little, it sounds like. Yeah, little by little. So I enjoyed that time. After a while, I thought, you know, I've, I've got to get myself off to church. And I didn't know which one to go to. So I went to the, a local church, that the same denomination I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And my ex-husband, he, he said, you know, you can go to any church, but not the ones these girls go to. And don't go to these other ones, you know, where the visitors were knocking on the door and coming and giving me their magazines. Yeah, I think we, we know which ones you're talking about there. And we should also say that these girls that you're talking about were Pentecostal. I mean, we can just say that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Your ex-husband wasn't too crazy about Pentecostals. No. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I went to this church, right, and um, just started driving home afterwards and with the kids. And, and then I was daydreaming that while I was driving. I could have run over a person and not even know it. But anyway, and then I found that I'd driven into the pastor's house where he had his church services. And I thought, I stopped in the middle of the driveway and I thought, oh, God, what have I done? And I looked back and the traffic was hectic and I thought, I can't back out into that. So I thought, I'll drive up and I'll turn around and get out of there. Mm -hmm. Well, once I got down there, I would have had to do about a six-point turn to to get out of there. And I thought, well, they've seen me by now. I'll just um, park the car and act like I meant to come in here. (laughs) So... I walk into this Pentecostal service and it's full on, you know, I'd never seen it in my whole life. People had their hands up in the air and they were speaking in a different language and I thought, okay, and I just, someone invited me to sit next to them. I sat down and I was sort of stunned, but Mm -hmm. straight away I knew that these people in here 
had whatever I had now in me. Hmm. And I couldn't articulate that either, but I just knew that they had whatever I had now. Mm-hmm. And they had an altar call, ask people, anyone who wants to give their heart to the Lord to come out the front. I put their hand up first, not, and my hand just went up by itself. It mm. was like it was went up by itself. <laughs> and even as you're saying to come down to the front, I raced down the front. Mm. Even before he finished the sentence, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were, you were eager. Well, it just happened. It was like I was compelled. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went and I said their prayer, and um, it was almost like I was being born again, again. I had the same experience again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I was leaving, this guy who I, I used to pick up hitchhiking, and sometimes he'd pick me up hitchhiking, you know, because you, you didn't have cars sometimes then. That was far more common back in the 70s, hitchhiking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, we didn't even have phones. We barely had TV reception where we were. Huh. Anyway... Um, he said, oh, God will be, soon he'll be putting on your heart to get baptized. And mm-hmm. I already felt that. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do it now because you'll think that I'm doing it because you told me to. <laughs> <laughs> I put it off. But eventually I did. I got baptized. And meanwhile, how did your husband at that time, how did he feel about you going to this Pentecostal church, which he wasn't too crazy about? No, no, he was furious, and he just went nuts on me. One day I came home, and, and he smashed things. We didn't have any glasses left. <laughs> we just smashed well, what, what do you think it was that set him off? Why was he so vehemently opposed to uh, Pentecostal-style church? I don't know. You know, maybe a spiritual thing, you can mm. put it down to that. Yeah. But um, he was furious. It, holes in the walls and doors off hinges and... Wow. Anyway, I told someone from the church, and she told me about, suggested praying for him, lay hands on his pillow and pray mm-hmm. for a change of attitude. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, I said to him, you know, I don't know much, but I know that you're the head of the household. If you don't want me to go to church anymore, I won't go. I won't go to any of the home meetings or anything. But also, as the head of the household, you have a responsibility towards my um, spiritual welfare. Mm. And um, so I didn't know he was an alcoholic. Alcoholics don't like responsibility. <laughs> I huh. learned that one. <laughs> oh. So that was in the mix as well. Besides him being violent, he was a violent alcoholic. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I did better. He'd be unconscious, and I'd lay hands on him and pray for him <laughs> instead of the oh. pillow. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so much for the pillow. You went right to him, and he didn't know yeah, anything about it because he was unconscious. Yeah, or or sleeping off uh, some alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, good move, you know. Well, a few days later, he said to me, I've been thinking about it, and I've decided you can go to whatever church meetings you want to go to. You can go to as many as you like. Hmm. So that was a great change. I So I was set free to, to go and into these meetings. Mm-hmm. Mind you, he still didn't like Christians particularly, and many people w- wouldn't like to be there because he was rude to them. And, mm. you know, I, I had a, a couple of really good friends, though, that would just put up with it, and they would come and see me still, you know. Mm-hmm. And what was your home life like? How often was he violent? Well, we had good times, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was times where it was so bad. You know, when I look back, I'm surprised he didn't kill me. You know, before I was a Christian, I used to flare up at him, too. And it was because I wanted to 
I didn't like the names he called me. He called me every name under the sun and I'd fire up back at him and that would just make everything escalate. It wasn't good at all. And one time I thought, oh, I know. Everyone's scared of crazy people. I'll just scare him with craziness. And huh. I went and got the axe. And oh, I went, wow. Yeah, he just laughed at me and grabbed it and threw it up on the roof. <laughs> wow. So that was the end of that. Yeah. But he did some bizarre things to you. Yeah, he. Uh, one time he tried to drown me in the sink, and um, but I got my hand in. I pulled the plug out, and another time, and this really, I ended up with PTSD after a while. I didn't mm-hmm. know I had it, but yeah. I was diagnosed later with PTSD. But one of the things he did that really affected me, he took me and my my um, eldest one said, "Get in the car, going for a drive." I said, where were we going? We, and we're on the road, you know, up into the hills and everything. And he said, I'm sending you, you both to heaven, just where you want to be. Oh, wow. And he drove like a maniac around these cliff edges and everything. And for the first time, I know it as dissociation now, it's like I went blank mm. and numb and I can't remember much about it anymore you know Mm. i can remember coming across a snake it reared up as the car was zooming down the road and and it just hit the snake that's that's all i can remember Mm. um and i can't remember arriving back at home or anything so disassociation as i understand it is where you kind of freeze up as a kind of a self-protection mechanism yes yeah Okay, so this is obviously painting a picture of a highly dysfunctional, toxic relationship. Yes. Okay, that was part one of my conversation with a domestic abuse and violence survivor whose name we are not using in order to protect her and her family's privacy. As we've heard today, she was in a highly dysfunctional relationship and experiencing trauma on a daily basis. However, as we'll hear next time, God helps her to overcome all this and helps her to heal. So we invite you to join us next time for that positive ending. But before we end today, I just want to say that if you're listening and can relate to anything you've heard and you need help right now, you can call Lifeline's crisis support number 24 hours a day at 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. Once again, we invite you to join us next time to hear more of our guest's courageous journey and how God works in her life step-by-step in her healing process. Until then, I'm Eric Scadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.